What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again with another episode that I am sure will inspire you to go out there and live life by your design. And in today's guest, I have a good friend, Mr. Sean Castrina, to the show. Sean, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Hey, it's excited to be here today. I'm excited about the, I love the concept of this podcast, and that's why I'm excited to be on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I always love to make sure that we still give the proper introduction to every guest that comes on. And so the way that I like to do that is I compare us as thought leaders, change makers and entrepreneurs to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly flying around the world. We're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve the world's biggest problems. And so for you, I know that there's a superhero that we know as Sean Castrina. But behind that, tell me, who is that S on the chest? Yeah, I, 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 if you're asking me per, I, I was caught. Do I have to pick a superhero to compare myself to? I was writing a few down. And Tell us I'm who's like, that Clark Kent? Who's the inside person? Who's behind? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people that if the ball's on the one yard line, you want me to have the ball. Mm. And that's just it in a nutshell. I'll bet on me all day, every day, period. Because where did I that come up- from? Did you always have that? Not, I think I grew up in less than middle class. I'm trying to be kind to my family here, but I just knew that the only way to get anything done was you had to be better than you had to excel. You can't excel at everything, but you got to have a few things that you would bet your life on that you can do. Mm. And, and that's that small skill set. When I was a division one college wrestler, you, you naturally had that mindset because wrestling, you can't call timeouts. Can't tag off. You can tag off on that fake NWA or whatever it is on TV. You can have a tag team partner, but but when in real life you can't always do that. So I have that natural mentality that if it's my will versus your will, my will will outlast your will. Wow. So always you knew that. Now, do you feel like that that's ever gotten you in any trouble? Right? Because yeah, yeah too much. <laughs> and I was gonna you, say you take because chances. Of you take What'd chances. You you, the problem. I apologize. Interrupt. I get excited, but you, you when you get it because hubris kicks in at some point. In that you feel like you can take crap and turn it into ice cream, and crap is still crap. A bad idea is still a bad idea. No matter how talented you are, you can be in your state of genius. But if you have an idea that you haven't vetted, haven't run it through a business plan, hasn't tested the marketplace with, you can't fix it. It's unfixable no matter how genius you are. And I, over 25 years, I've learned that there, that when I've stepped out of my systematic way of vetting companies or vetting ideas, vetting opportunities, vetting partners, vetting people I wanted to do business with, whenever I just skipped a few steps because I knew I could fix it, it cost me money or aggravation. Let's talk about those steps. What are, because for a lot of people right now, they're thinking about getting into the buzzword of entrepreneurship. There's opportunities right now to pivot, to get out of the corporate world, to really just go after a life by your design and your dream. But a lot of people don't even know the steps of what should the first thing that they be looking to do is to figure out if this is something that's made for them. I think the first thing is, is you, we always, it's, it's, it's fancy. You say, you got to know your why. That's our buzz. Why and passion is like our two words in success space, that along with mindset. And all three can steer you in a wrong direction. 
So you got, you got to be really be careful. But the comparison I use is this, is that I have a daughter who's a school teacher. She's an amazing third grade school teacher. It, energy, loves it. That's her giftedness. She's not an entrepreneur. Money doesn't mean anything to her. She loves regimentation, systematics, you know, is what she has to do every day. Wonderful. I have a 19-year-old son who's an entrepreneur. Couldn't get out of high school fast enough. Gifted athlete, but literally his senior year, I had to go meet with the guidance counselor. And I said to her in under two minutes, how many classes does my son need to take to walk across that stage? She goes, the honors degree is this. I said, you didn't hear me clearly. What I said is, how many, how many classes does my son need to take his senior year to get across that stage? She said, two. I said, great. You'll see him an hour and a half a day next year. Mm. Because my point is, there's a difference. My son, you know, wanted to be an entrepreneur. He saw the kind of lifestyle I had and, and, and all that and that intrigued to him. Neither one are wrong. They're just different. And I think if, and I think there's, there's actually this virus has introduced a, a, a middle ground. And I, 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 it's surprising, but over the last year, I've seen this where, okay, you're an employee. You got that. You want to be, you're fine being told what to do and you, you figure out your own system, but it's very regimented. You get that. Then you have the entrepreneur, you're a risk taker, you start your own business, blah, 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 blah. You have that. But I think there's this middle now where you have a skill. Let's say you're an engineer and you've worked from home a lot now, Zoom. And what used to take you 40 hours a week in the office to do because you had to make it look like 40, you actually can do it in 12, but you can do it in 12. So you start saying to yourself, why am I only working for one company? Mm. So I think what's happened now is every individual with a skill set has a business. They just don't realize it. And it's up to them. In other words, you, you think about this will blow you away. It hit me the other day. I, I saw somebody, if, if you open the door to a store, you're at Walmart and somebody opens the door. Remember you had a greeter and they'd open the door and say hi to you. Right. Now, listen, I, I, that person was at the lowest compensation scale. We're, we're fully aware of that. It's a very simple job, not a high skill set. But that person has a business. Think about it. If Walmart, a gazillion dollar company, is willing to interview this person and say, we think you can do this job. You have a business. I'm not saying it's a great business, but, but somebody out there has validated that that position is worth this much money and you could fulfill it. Now you think about it, if you want to scale that, you can start a business with great greeters. That's a great name for a business. Right. Great <laughs> greeters. We vetted them. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're good. They show up. They're reliable. They smile. They're friendly, blah, blah, blah. And you could scale that business. Anything you have a skill to do, if anybody is paying you to do anything right now, this day, you have a potential business. And that's that little middle ground that I've, I've, I've come to discover over the last year. Yeah. And it's whether you want it to be a one person, two person, three person, or scale it to a massive hiring agency. I love it. I love it. And it just really shows that what, are, what is the problem that you're going to solve? There's so many problems out here in this world. And instantly, my mind being like yours, just on, on that entrepreneurship. But I was just like, man, that's so great. Because if you think about the online world where a lot of things are pivoting to, what does everyone need? They need to have that instant connection with the customer that comes to their website. So if you understand how to greet or something like that, how can you then turn that business online maybe and then be able to help more people? Right. Just like you said, you could do it at Walmart. And granted, if you're an older greeter, maybe you're not tech savvy. But if you're someone younger, if you figure out how can you solve that problem in a massive way by bringing on more people onto your team? Yeah, it's so problems. amazing. Yeah. I mean, the big board, you want big you want to solve a big problem or have a big market. That's your that's what you're always looking for. You're, the bit, That's the, the more money you're going to make. Big okay. problems, 
big market or mass innovation. That's like Facebook, uh, Uber, Netflix. You either turned an industry on its, you flipped it on its head, solved a massive problem. Look at this co- those co- those companies that are coming up with the coronavirus. Look at discovering airlines, discovering the railroad to a horse, discovering air conditioning, coming up with electricity. You can go, anytime you did that, so it's it's either you solved a big problem, you had a massive innovation, or there's a massive marketplace for it. No, Fruit of Loom sold a lot of underwear in the 70s and 80s. And what's great about it, something that I learned was like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You just need to figure out what's already out there in a massive market. But what are the consumers saying that they don't like about it? And if you can tweak that one little thing, you already know that it's a it's a, a prototype that sells, right? How can you just make it a little bit better? And you say, hey, you already love this. What don't you like about it? And they're going to say, I don't like this and this and this. Great, because I've already fixed that problem. Here you go. It's basically taking a commodity, something that everybody is familiar with and needs and, and niching it. And it, I always say, if you niche, when you niche, you become rich. Mm, if you can create a niche, you'll become rich. You just look at it. It's so common. Like you got my pillow. Okay. It's a pillow. At the end of the day, it's a pillow. For the better part of 35 years of, of my life, a pillow was either had feathers in it or was a normal pillow. It was either flat or was fluffy. But and you didn't even know how to pick them out. It was just random. It was like grabbing a stocking at Christmas. You didn't know what you were going to get. But it was a pillow. So my pillow niched it. They created a niche in the in the in the in the marketplace among uh, pillows. And then you had like Tommy John making underwear to the next level. Then you have Kane Eleven socks. Now you can get them in different sizes. So you can go all the way down the line of people. They're they're taking a commodity, something that is so familiar to us that we typically have bought a lot before, but never put a lot of great deal of thought into it. Hmm. And now they're saying you're right. And you have Third Love, which is like bras in half sizes. You can go all the way. They took something that's very familiar, very common, and they've they've improved it. They've they've solved the the one a couple pain points that people have always talked about, but nobody thought to take care of. Right? No, a hundred percent. Let me ask. You started out in the beginning talking about passion, right? And then yeah. there's obviously the thing that people don't know if they should be going after their passion or if they should be going after their profit especially if they're early on and they're not necessarily getting paid for something. If they say, hey, you know what? I'm just getting out of college and I haven't even gotten my first job. I think I want to try this at entrepreneurship, but I kind of like working out, but I don't know if there's any money in being a trainer right now because everybody's trying to be a trainer. And on top of that, the gyms are shutting down. What's your take on that? Should someone be going after passion or profit? I think that you have to, there's a fine line between the two and I'll explain it in a way that I think will help everybody. Because I get that all the time. I remember having a 15-minute debate with John Tesh over the same subject. And then finally, at the end, he gave in, admitted that the first business that he had that failed, he ran after passion. It was a running store. And my philosophy is this. Passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. Hmm. In that, if you just think about it for a second, I love golf. Okay, I love golf. Now, in my area, it doesn't mean that starting a driving range is a good business idea. So you can be passionate about something, but it fundamentally doesn't go through the business plan checkboxes. Is there a market for it? Can I charge enough to be profitable? Is there a want, demand for it in my area? Uh, you can go all the way down the line of you know, sometimes it just it's not a fit. It's not a big enough market. That's why some franchises don't let you to have their franchise unless there's a quarter of a million residents. Mm. It, it's not a fit. Not everything is a fit. So you can be passionate about something. It doesn't mean it's a good idea. Okay, that's just the, so you have to come to that 
come to grips with that. The second thing is, is that you can be passionate about a lot of things and entrepreneurship fits. And let me explain that. I love giving away money. I love giving away money as much as I like making money. Because once you get good at making money, giving away is the easy part. It's, it's, I can't explain it, but you've had guests on your show that would agree with me on that. Oh yeah. So I love giving away money. I can't give away money unless I make a lot of money. Entrepreneurship has allowed me to make really good money, which allows me to give away money. See, I'm passionate about giving away money. So thus I'm passionate about owning my own business because I, I can create my own income. I can dictate it. So you can weave the two together. I'm passionate, you can tell by the way I talk about business in general. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Taking a startup is like, you get you just got to spin that thing around. I can't do a Rubik's Cube. I can never even do one side of one. But you give me a business idea and a legal pad, and I will beat that thing into submission. It's, so it's it's you can be passionate about many components. A lot of people are like passionate about the marketing side of business. Some people are really passionate about the customer experience. Some people are passionate about creating this culture that's great. You can there's so many things you can be passionate about. Don't be blind to think that oh, I'm passionate about this hobby that I have. Hobbies don't make great businesses. There there there's probably the sentence you need to know. Mm. I love lifting weights. I would not own a gym. I love lifting weights. I would not be a personal trainer. Why? Because it's a one-to-one scale where it's a one-to-three scale. My one person can probably train three people. The more people you add, you got to lower the cost anyway. So even at the best you can make, you still have a, you have a ceiling. I'd have to own the gym and all the trainers to make me interested in it. So my, my point is, is that it does just because you're passionate about something still doesn't mean you don't run it through the vetting process of it being a good idea fitting the marketplace, there being a demand for it. Can you staff it? Can you scale it to a level that you know, you're going to make enough money that intrigues you? Are the profit margins good? You, you still got to do the fundamentals. And the problem is passion. We somehow, what I'm so passionate about it, that gives you an excuse to go forward on an idea that's not good. It's not fundamentally good. It does not meet the Watch a football team on, on, on the weekend. If you're like a Washington Redskins fan like me, my 40-year nemesis, I love my team. I'm passionate about it, but I can quickly within five minutes of watching a game, see fundamentals that why we fail. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to be good. If you don't have an offensive line, they can give protection. If you can't create a pass rush, we know these, any athlete, I, you could say the same thing in basketball. You're, you can watch a game like five minutes in and go, I love the team, but they're missing ABC. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in business. You, you got to have the fundamentals in place. So for a lot of people that's listening to that right now and they say, man, he makes 100% sense. But they say, okay, how do I even learn what the fundamentals are? Because for a lot of us, when we first decide we want to get into business, we don't know where to even turn. We just know that we think we have a concept that can work. So for you, what is the first step that you're telling somebody that comes to you that says Uncle Sean or dad or my mentor, Sean, what do I need to do? How do I learn these fundamentals? Is it just the the thought that I need to hire you as a coach or is there anywhere else I can learn? I give everything away for free. So I would go, I I did this. My son wanted to start a business when he graduated. So I started going on Amazon. I bought the first page of all the business plan books. Mm. And one of them was worse than the next. And it didn't make sense. They were way too long. They were like doctorate's degrees. And they're, and they're just, they're, they're bull in that. Let me give you the one premise of every business plan book I ever read and why I think they're failed. They start in chapter one with Johnny Sue has this business idea, ABC tools. 
And in chapter 10, ABC Tools is doing unbelievable. They're both working part-time, making $150,000 a year. They're giving to their favorite charity. The company has unbelievable culture. They make the, the idea that it's, it's going to succeed. So in chapter 10, read every business plan book. They start in chapter one with the idea in chapter 10 to 15. It, I've never seen the one where Johnny's idea sucked. It mm-hmm. failed. He lost his house. I've never, right. never seen that book, but you might want to write it because one and two experienced that horrific death in the first two years. Nine out of 10, don't make it to your 10. So I started sitting down like, okay, what 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 is my real business plan book look like? Because I do mine on like a legal pad. So I wrote the world's greatest business plan when you can't afford to fail. And it's mm. free. If you just go to worldsgreatestbusinessplan.com forward slash free book, you can get it. It's an $18 book on Amazon. And it has my business plan, the one that I use. And it's just 25 questions. It's gold. It's mm. It'll take you a, maybe a week, maybe a weekend to do it at the most. And uh, But once you get the formula, you have it. I can vet an idea now in like a day. Mm. Like I get pitched up all the time. I can, I know the quick paint, you know, what, what do I really want to hear for me to know it's a good idea? And so that's exactly where I was going to go into it. Like, what are you looking for to hear if you get pitched something? Because for a lot of people, some people, they might say, okay, I just, can you break it down to me in three to four parts of what are the, the, the pillars of what you need to hear to be able to understand if it's a good idea or not? Here you go. First thing is this, is that you have your idea. It's in your head. Understand inside your head, every idea sounds good. Hmm. So you're going to have to expose it to oxygen here in a minute. Take it out. Put it on the table and let me ask you, do you have proof that there's a demand for this? Have you done any testing? Have you done a survey online? Have you tested it via social media? Have you, like what I do, like I own a lot of home service companies. I love service companies and I've made a fortune. I'll send like 5,000 postcards to a certain area. I'll buy the local phone number. So I'll create an imaginary company. Now I'm willing to scale it within 10 days if it comes back what I want. I, I know I can fill a demand. The hard thing is to try to create a man. If you don't have a demand, you don't have a business. So the very first thing you have to do is you've got to confirm that your idea is wanted by somebody and they're willing to pay for it. That is the number one thing. If you don't have that, you got nothing. Okay. So you have to do something that gives you the confidence, some data, some verification, a simple way to do this. I'll give you like the simplest way possible. Is there a lot of other people doing it? It's competition, but if somebody else has done it, clearly it works. Hmm. Now you're now, how do you do it? How do you take that and actually make money? Now you got to niche it. Okay. There's other people doing it. There's a demand for it. So now you just got to be creative. What can I offer that nobody else is? And then how can I message it? How can I market it in a way that nobody else is? Hmm. Like Tommy John, nobody was talking about underwear day in and day out. They just right. went they went mainstream with just are your underwear aren't comfortable blah 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 blah. Boom. And they just hit you every day with it. They said we're going to outmarket everybody. Cuz everybody's wearing a pair of drawers today. Yeah, we're gonna right, and we're gonna. So they just did it a little different. They changed their underwear a little different. I don't even think their underwear is that good. Bought a pair. I was highly disappointed. Most expensive pair of drawers I ever bought. Okay, but with that being said, it works. They're making a fortune, right? So you gotta you got a big market, 
okay, or a market. I like bigger markets, but you got to have a market and you either confirm that because you've done some beta testing and or there's competition. That's the easiest way, one or two. Got it. If, if you got competition, then you got to niche it, but you got to ask yourself, does anybody want this? And how can I advertise? Like, how am I going to attract customers? That's the next thing is, so you have people that are interested in, you got competition out there, you beta tested, but how are you going to market it? How are you going to attract customers? That my friend is business 101. If you can't figure that out, that's a fairly significant thing. So you have. So if you idea. can't do it, would you recommend that then you need to go partner with someone no, to do it? You can, but you can figure it out. This is my thing. You can, you can figure it out. What what I say is, I'll give you a quick way to figure out how to market when you don't know how to market. What is your competition doing? Mm-hmm. Where are they marketing? I'm gonna. This is a rumor, but I, I've heard, I have it on good good intelligence, good information that Hardee's what they would do is they just look to see wherever McDonald's opened up one. So they didn't have a staff in place to find their locations. They just knew if McDonald's was on this corner, all you had to be is within that street. Mm. So why were they going to spend the money to do that? So if you take that basic premise is that your competition is doing it, we'll copy everything they're doing, but niche it, make it, just make it unique. Right. Where are they advertising? Are they on radio? Are they on TV? Are they doing Facebook ads? Mirror it a little bit. Make yours unique, but that's the easiest way to to do it. Yeah, no, I I love that. I love the premise of it. And just understanding that you don't have to reinvent the wheel, going right back to it. For so many of us, we think that we got to reinvent the wheel. We have to have that innovation piece because we've seen in these last 10 years, the Ubers, the Airbnbs. I haven't had a big idea yet. I'm going to tell you my first two businesses real quick, and it'll give your entire audience perspective. Yeah. Because I own the least sexiest companies in the world. Finally, 20 some years later, I own a digital marketing company. It's not, it sounds sexy. It makes me money, but it still doesn't make me anything close to my unsexy companies. Mm-hmm. So my first business I started, I was selling insurance. I lost my dream job and had to actually go get a job. Just bought a house, married, had a kid, child. I was one class away from a master's degree and my life went to in, in the toilet real quick. So if, you, if you're articulate, you go sell insurance. It's like the crack among white collar people selling insurance. It really is. So, cause, cause the better, the bigger, the more you, the war, what is it? Everything you sell your clients, that's crap. You make more money on. So that's the, that's why I could only do it for one year. Really. It's, Got it's, it. it's, it's, it's ugh. okay. But my staff meetings were every Monday. There were sales meetings and I went there. It's the first time I was around really wealthy people. Like every, the high achievers in that business were making great money. So mm-hmm. all these really nice cars in the parking lot. Now this exemplifies everything I think about business. So I say to myself, I'm sitting there, I'm looking out the window. I'm going, what if I got all these cars cleaned while we were at this meeting every week? All these people are salespeople. This is 25 years ago before you had a car wash on every corner. So I said, man, if you could get a van, a truck, have the water in the vehicle, and we came here and did it. What am I talking about? An auto detailing company. There's nothing sexy about what I'm getting ready to say. Right. So I started Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. That was a great name. Admit it. I know it. Tagline, America's Choice in Mobile Detailing. I took the boldest position right out of the gate. We are number one, America's Choice in Mobile Detailing. Phone number, because this is back before the online thing. It was 93, it was We Detail, 1-800-933-3824. I still know it, and I sold the company 20 years ago. I made $35,000 part-time 
passive that year. I worked an hour a week once I set the company up, which took me like a week. Hmm. Okay. They called in, the girl on the phone would tell them, do you have a regular car or an SUV? You want an exterior, interior? It was like four packages. Right. So 30 seconds. And then we booked it. You paid when he finished. He brought it back to the off back. We He came to my house. We met it. We did a 50-50 split. My job was to make the phone ring, keep track of the infrastructure. And his job was to do the thing. I made 35,000 passive. And I knew right then in my 20s that I, my aha moment came on because I never cleaned a car, didn't like cleaning cars. Business meant nothing to me except I knew it would work. See, I, 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 it was not an emotional decision. Now, I was excited about creating the name Waxmaster and I had a great logo. And, and it's funny, three weeks ago, they cleaned two of my cars. So they're still around. I love that durable business model. So that was my first company. Then my second company, I, I started when I did that, I started figuring out how to make the phone ring and I was doing it pretty well. I started a direct mail magazine that was in 21 cities. So I was rocking that, but I tried to convert my home office into an office. I, I wanted to make a home office. So I had a dining room, hard to get your groove on with a chandelier and all this crown molding, but we had our second child. So I had to have a home office. I- hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. I tried to hire a handyman in my city and I live in a very wealthy city, but it's a smaller boutique type of city. The Rock has a house here. Got uh, it. John Grisham lives here. Howie Long lives here. What okay, what city is that? Char- Charlottesville, Virginia. Got it. Okay. UVA. Very, Got it. Very, you know, very good city to live in. It was voted the number one city in America two out of three years, the year that I moved here to start my magazine. Got it. I picked right. a good market. Yeah. All right. So I try to hire a handyman. I can't, trying to find a handyman was like trying to find a one-eyed leprechaun. I'm asking all my friends. I'm asking my neighbors. I'm living in a 900 home, high end community, and nobody can re- can refer anybody. What do I start? Advantage mm-hmm. Handyman Services. Why the name? Because that's when the phone book back then and A's were listed first. So if you were A, you were first. To tell you, I made money. Listen to me. I made John Gotti kind of money. Mm-hmm. I'm serious, man. Five weeks into it, we had 54 phone calls. I own it 21 years later. It has eight different companies, and I make millions. It was a handyman company. Listen, let, for the audience, I cannot assemble a three-piece birdhouse. I have a plastic toolbox upstairs that I got when I got married. It's still the only toolbox I own. My wow. wife does more handyman work than I do. How are you, you finding... Have- somebody said, okay, I got this idea. I know that I can bring... I can solve yeah. a problem. Yeah. How did you go find all these handymen? What partner, was your proposition to them? Value proposition. There's always a value proposition. Yeah. What does every construction worker fear? handyman remodeling, they're going to sit home in the winter. Right. I told them you'll never sit home in the winter. I know marketing. I was a young guy. It was the dot com a little bit. So I fit that image. I go, listen, I, I bet on myself. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I figured I, I knew I could figure that out. I'm like, you come work for me. You will never sit home in the winter. That was my value proposition. It worked. Like I said, 21 years later, we do millions wow. and millions. So can you remember, can you remember how are you finding them? Because this I was just back- ran an ad. Listen to me. Listen, I, I, I have run every fancy ad. I've hired headhunters. I run ads in Craigslist. I'll tell you why I do, because they're broke. 
somebody looks in a Craigslist, they want to start working today. My staff, it's too funny because they'll run all their ads. They have the Indeed and all that. I looked at Indeed app. My head exploded, man. I looked at like 20 resumes. Nobody was qualified. My Craigslist ad is real simple. This is what I'm looking for. I'll give you one quick secret about how to hire somebody. This is why I've always been able to do good hiring. If you want to hire Santa Claus, you ask for a fat dude with a real beard who likes wearing velvet and hangs out with reindeers. You write the ad for exactly what it is you want. Mm. And when I'm on Craigslist, I'm like, listen, I want to start somebody today, but I want you to have A, B, C, and D. Do not waste my time if you don't have it. If you have it, shoot me a text. It mm. works. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not too prideful to take a, a, a text from a, a person who could be a great team member. And then when you first started, so somebody else is thinking yeah. about doing this and the type yeah. of arbitrage type business, that middleman type business, I'm going to solve a need for you and I'm going to solve a need for the consumer. Then they're like, but how do I even know how do I price this thing with that, with the handyman person? This is it. It was so easy. What you do is, is that you, I started calling, like I'm in Charlottesville, so I reach out, I start calling handyman in Richmond. Hey, I need, I have such and such I'd like to get done. What would it cost? Oh, if we just did it by the hour, what would it cost? Then I started reaching out to national franchises because I thought for a second, maybe I just buy a franchise. So I reached out to all the franchises and I found all the things they did that was wrong. Like they, there was a little bit they did that was good, but it was always something that they had a major flaw in. So I cherry picked all the good stuff, created my own casserole. I got a rich casserole. Yeah. Um, mine worked incredible. But this is what I did really quickly on because it, it, it blew away my expectations. I had no expertise. So I'm five weeks into this, man, the phone is ringing off the hook. So I had to partner. So I, what I did is I brought in somebody who was in my magazine. He was a painter yeah. in my magazine. I really liked the guy. And I brought him on as a 50-50 partner. I was 51 stock owner, but we split everything 50-50. One of my dearest friends to this day, retired, living in Florida. But I, I knew what I didn't know. And I knew that this thing, we had a major hump getting ready. I had nobody in the office that knew anything about construction. So they could, I needed somebody who could answer customer complaints. If call came in and goes, you sent your handyman out here today, but I don't think he did a good job. I don't know what I'm looking at, so I can't do it. And I don't want to look at it. Right. So I knew I needed to have a partner. So I gave up 50% of my profit because let me let you on a secret. 50% of a lot is better than hundred percent of a little. 50% of anything that you don't have to actually do every day is better than 100% of something you got to do every day. Right. So it was an easy decision. I brought Kurt in as my partner. We blew it up to a million bucks within three years. Most fun I ever had in business partnering with him. It, yeah, it was just great. But you got to fill the gaps. But if you learned anything from what I'm talking about is I, I haven't given you a sexy idea yet. Solving Nothing problems. I've told you about is that great. I haven't been an expert in anything I've shared with you yet. So mm -hmm. I've made millions of dollars part-time with no expertise and no real capital. Not one of those businesses cost me more than $2,000 to launch. Hmm. I love it. There's so many nuggets there. So much wisdom. I, I absolutely love it. This, this has been absolutely crazy. So for you, let me ask this. Have you ever... Do you recommend that people only focus on one business as they're building it? Because you you said, hey, I've done you gotta all get these one th You got to do one thing. You got to get, you got to build one thing first. One thing. It's, I, I'm a fanatic about the one thing. You can build off of the one thing. If you really think about my success, like going forward, I quickly realized service companies were my, were my forte. 
Hmm. Okay. So I stayed in my niche, wax master and then handyman. And I've stayed in that service. Even my digital marketing company is a service company. We actually meet with local business owners and get in front of them. I like that. That's more my style, but you got to have a lane and you got to build something for, you got to build, you got to have something you're confident in a model that you're confident in. And then you build off of that. So I, I do think the first five years when you're first starting out, man, listen to me, one successful company is a great achievement. It's a great achievement. Let me share this with you. Nine out of 10 companies don't reach age 10. So don't just be, just build something great, build a durable, sustainable company that there's nothing wrong with that. And then when you figure it out, it's like making a snowball. This is how I view businesses. Okay. I got my snowball. Now I just want to make it bigger. I want it to be, you ever been hit by a snowball that, that just kept like sitting in ice and kept getting bigger and it gets, right. you know how that, you know what I'm talking about? They I just do. get harder. It's like getting hit with a freaking bowling ball. Right. A new snowball doesn't bother you. It's fresh snow. Get hit by it. You want to build a business like a damn frozen snowball. Mm. I think the bowling ball was the best way to put it. If somebody hit you with yeah. a bowling ball, it's got hurt. I don't care how light they tried to throw exactly. it. Exactly. Right? And that's 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 what you're trying to do in business. You're trying to build a durable, sustainable business. Mm. And you don't do that in two years. Got it. What's the industry that right now you're looking at heavy? Because you built your office service companies, right? but then you said your newest business is finally you got a digital marketing company, which is more sexier. But like for you, as you see everything pivoting and being in business for over 25 years and understanding how these things work, is there anything right now that you're thinking or you're at least telling the younger generation? Maybe you say, hey, I don't got the, the will to really want to get into that right now. But if there's something that I would be telling you to definitely be looking at that industry, is there one? It's not going to be sexy again. I look at, this is what scares me and how I look at businesses. I want businesses that a robot can't do. Mm. I want a business that a computer can't do. I want a business that AI can't do. I'd be scared to death of anybody who has a business where any of those can be done at some point. I'm going to give you like unsexy businesses. And I'm going to show you why my digital marketing company is so durable because we do it differently cleaning gutters on a house that is not sexy but there ain't a robot that's going to come to your house knock on the door climb up there clean them put gutter guards on and that's an unsexy business right but i can tell you as long as you have houses you're going to have gutters as long as you have trees you're going to have leaves that's a sustainable durable business i don't care getting your tires rotated on your car getting an oil change getting your grass mowed i can keep going none of them are sexy boy i love all of them because they make you rich. Because if you niche them to a high-end client, there's a nice margin there. There's a nice spread there, like my digital marketing company. If everything was online, we have no value proposition. You go online and you can you can shop all of us out. But we get in front of you as a business owner. We come to your office in Zoom, but we'll review your account every single month with you face-to-face, Zoom call, and tell you what you're doing, what worked, what didn't work. Why did we do that? Because when I, my company, I, I had everybody pitching me digital marketing this was four years ago. This is a good story on how I think about partnering. This will exemplify everything again. So I'm getting pitched by everybody because I buy Super Bowl ads in my area. I, I spend real money on advertising. Yeah. So everybody was pitching me digital marketing when it really became Vogue, crazy Vogue about four years ago, the election, Facebook ads you, you, that at that time period. And I got pitched. They were in my conference room, but one person in that meeting who worked for this radio station, quietest person in it, but was clearly the smartest person I could tell, 
And they all gave me their business cards and the head sales manager. Oh, Sean, we'd love to work with you, blah, 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 blah. Could care less about his car. I got the, the card of the person who worked under him, a guy named James. And I called James the next day and I said, James, listen, I'm going to hire your, I'm going to work with your company, but only if you work with me. And I said, listen, half that stuff you told me, I couldn't understand. Impressions and all these, yeah, I, impression doesn't mean anything to me. Did you get me a customer? Was it right. a target customer? Did they buy what I'm selling? It's, I only got three questions. I said, if you can explain that to me every month, come meet with me for 15 minutes and explain to me what I spent, how it helped me, what it was doing, just break it down for me. I, give it to me like I'm a 12-year-old with a learning disability because that's me. Right. I want it that simple. He said, sure, I could do that. I said, James, I got great news. If you can do that, you're either going to come work for me or you and I are going to start a company. And he's a real quiet guy. Glasses, your typical, very nerdy, very smart guy but he had worked with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies in his previous job. He said, really? I said, absolutely. So he started working with me and he blew my company up, really helped me tremendously. That was like in November that year. So May comes six months later. I said, James, he's got little kids. I said, James, have you ever been to Disney World? He goes, no, but I'd love to. We're looking forward to doing that one day. I said, great. I'm going to pay for you and your family to go to Disney World. He goes, why would you do that? I said, Remember what I told you the first day after that I talked to you where I said, we'd either be business partners or you'd come work for me. I said, this is my down payment. I wasn't joking. Hmm. So two years later, did an incredible job with my company. It's like September. And I tell him, I said, listen, you got to get a raise from your company. I said, they got to pay you more. If not, we got to start our own company. You're too good at this. And I said, I have too many friends that own companies in this city that'll hire you in a minute. I said, if I just leverage what my relationships We'll make money from day one. I'm like, do they have a, a, a part? Uh, what is it? Uh, no, do they have a confidentiality agreement? And do they have a no compete with you? He goes, no, I, they don't have any of those. I go, big mistake. It was like the pretty woman thing. Huge yeah. mistake. Big, big mistake. I said, ask them for a raise. If they don't, we're getting ready to put them. We're going to crush them. So he asked for a raise. They keep him in and hollering on it. So it's geez, middle of December. And I said, James. I will bankroll this. I will guarantee everything you made from that company for one year. So there's no risk. You just do what you did for my company, but you've got to be able to go after your old customers. I go, if you can't do that, you're of no value to me. And he went home and his wife told him to grow a set of entrepreneurial balls. I love that. She's real quiet. She goes, James, you need to grow a set of entrepreneurial balls and you need to partner with him. So we started and show it's a real company. If you type in GIG Strategic, Gig Strategic, it's the company I own. James is the guy doing the video on the front of it. We blew that thing up. We absolutely, now he drives a beautiful BMW. When I met him, he drew that. He drove a like a 2000 Ford 500. I don't even think they make them anymore. It was so ugly. I couldn't even keep it in my parking lot. It was embarrassing. He Now he drives a beautiful BMW and life is good and and uh, we, we gr- we're growing at over 40% this year during a virus, but we work with real life businesses. Got it. You know, tire stations, restaurants, people. If you would typically go in an old time phone book, that's the kind of people we like working with. And um, wow. real life businesses, mom and pop businesses, and we blow them up. And so he and I partnered, but that shows you, anything. I don't know anything about digital marketing. I don't do anything. I stopped. I don't do anything with that company. I bankrolled it, but I bet on a superstar. I I knew he was going to be a superstar. That was the right. easiest. That was the easiest money I've ever laid on the table. That was like playing roulette, and I had black and red covered. I love it. Me, I knew I was going to win, and so, so we that, did that. And 50-50 partnership, 
And uh, so I make enough money in passive income right now just off that company that would put me in the top, you know, 10% of income earners. Wow. And I don't that, do anything. And you didn't do anything. And no, I, I, I love it. So people on the board. Wow. So for you, as, as you have people listening to your path now and they absolutely love it. And I, I truly, truly appreciate you being so transparent and the sharing the, the stories that you've shared. But let me ask if somebody's listening at this right now and they say, if you could go back and you can change one thing, we, most of the time we say we wouldn't change anything because that got us well, to I where we are. Changes. I do some changes. <laughs> But if you could change one thing or implement one thing sooner to accelerate your path on your dream and your journey to where you are today, what would that one thing be? I, I, if I could redo it all, I've got great friends from college. I would have started a business in college, mm. something in college just to, or I would have done sales in college. One of the two, I think I would have started knowing what I now know, I, I, I Okay, I didn't send my son to college, and Lord knows we could afford it. And he's an incredible athlete, but I don't know. I don't know if college is for entrepreneurs necessarily. I think it's for maybe a, a sliver of them, the Elon Musks, maybe some that are just so genius that they they almost need to have that genius tested out at Stanford or Harvard. I, I'm not one of them, but for but but I understand that. But this is what I have a problem with with college. Real quickly on my quick tangent. If it's so important, how come Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg never went back to figure out how to run their billion-dollar companies? Think about right. that for a second. They start billion-dollar companies. They quit college. None of them go back. None of them said, you know what? I think I need to go back to that Harvard to get that, that MBA because I've got a billion-dollar company. I need to learn how to run it. Steve Jobs, none of them went back. None. Never. Doesn't exist. So that is all the data that I need. In that, so I think if I had to do it all over again, I'd have went to college like part time just to have the fun, the friends. But I would have been. You ever you remember the movie with Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, where yeah. he's like a sixty yeah. year old millionaire and he goes back to college and he has like assistants and he breaks out like four dorm rooms to make his and he's got yeah. a maid. That would have been me. That's my story. If I could do it again, that's my story. Oh, I'd have went back to college, or I, I would have I would have made money first or did it at the same time. Being in college and you're broke sucks. Yeah, you're not sure what you're going to do. It's no, it's, it's a waste. I had no idea what I was going to do. Hmm. I love it. it was, I, I love it. And I a hundred percent agree with that. For me, I never went back to college right after my story, everything I did three years, but I just, I had that notion. I always say that I had the notion, even at what I was maybe just turned 19 at this time, but just because I had a degree did not mean I was going to be successful in life. There were so many other factors and I was just there to build the relationships. I liked the people, everything that I was learning, I could change a major four times. And even now there's so many people that get out of there with that piece of paper and it's like, what are you going to do with it? And then they go into trying to figure out Facebook ads. And it's like, I could, I know this, I would bet my life. I would bet my life. You give me somebody for one year, let me mentor them. They'll have a business a year from now. I bet everything I own on it, everything, my very existence. So it doesn't require college. I know what you need. And I'll tell you real quickly in the first week, if I don't think you have it, we're going to move on. I'll pat you on the back and say it's been fun because you got to have you got to have confidence, man. You got to know how to talk. You got to know how to communicate. You need to know how to express your ideas. You need to learn how to build a team. You got to be somebody who's likable that people only Steve Jobs can be the only asshole in business. Okay. Everybody, well, Steve Jobs did it. We only get one asshole. You only get one. Steve gets a free pass. Donald's right. right there with him next. He could be. <laughs> Donald's an acquired taste. 
But taking them out, the point is, is that having general people skills is very, very valuable. People wanting to work with you because you got to recruit a team. My point is, is that there's so many skills that you could learn that have nothing to do with college. And if you don't have them, you got bigger problems. I love it. That's all facts right there. The last, I think there's just two more questions that I have. But first off, going back to when you talked about how you've never been the expert in anything, but you've figured out how to leverage your communication, your personality, and also being able to bring value to the market. When someone is, if someone says, I'm just like that, how exactly do, what's the first thing? Because if they know marketing, would you say, okay, well then the first thing is they need to go get a sales guy who who's going to go out and do the selling or because now people will say, Hey, you got to do it organically. But when you were building these companies, there were no such thing as Instagram or LinkedIn to try to drive leads. So how are you bringing in, like, how could someone go find their first couple clients if they don't already have influence in the marketplace? Okay. You can, Lot you got a lot in there. So selling, selling is 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 simple in that people don't like to be sold. They like to. You have to create a value proposition that makes somebody want to buy from you. That's the only way people buy what they want. So there's that end of it, and then there's partnering end of it. But I think there's a bigger philosophical problem. I think the pre twenty. I get all the DMs. I literally, I had somebody ask me the dumbest question today. I literally, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have that. But I want to be a millionaire. My answer to this person was guess what? I can teach you to swim, but I can't teach you how to walk on water. You're going to have to go get a job. Yeah. My point is, is that everybody wants everything so fast. And, and I don't think it's the speed. It's going further. Stop thinking fast. Stop. Start thinking, I want to go further. So if I'm under the age of 25, I would strategize completely different. I would be like, okay, I want to be involved in something that has sales. Okay. Okay. Number two is I need to develop an expertise got to be great at something. We know about LeBron because he's great at something. I hate to break it to you. Just because he's 260 pounds and six foot nine, that does not make him an outlier in sports. It's what he does with that six foot nine that makes him an outlier. So you've got to be great at something. And the problem is too many people are on social media and you don't, you're not good at anything. Mm. And you're, you're worshiping people that are good at something. You got to find your thing and you got to be great at it. And I'm sorry, this is going to really hurt your feelings, but it typically takes about five years to be great at anything. Hmm. And that I'm being kind, but I'm just taking Malcolm Gladwell's outlier book, 10,000 hours, okay. saying if you put 20 hours a week into something, you work the job, but you spend 20 hours a week developing your craft like Tony Robbins did on NLP and, and Dean real estate and car, you know, all, all every, everybody develop, they, they all have a specialty that they're great in. Hmm. When you think of Grant Cardone, whether you, he sales real estate. You think of Tony Robbins, motivational, but it's neurolinguistic program. He gives you triggers to create a mindset, a mood. Okay, I, that's what he does. You think of Conor McGregor, he fights. Mike Tyson, he fights. Okay, you, you go all you know, Bill Gates, he Bill Gates programming, Windows. You gotta find something. I don't care what it is, but you gotta be good at it. And then that can become your business and or you can leverage that in a partnership. And this is the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. If you are a good employee in a business that's sub 50 employees, trust me, you can create a partnership. Hmm. I'm always looking for partners. I have seven partners in my business. Anybody who can work for me and can do something that I can, that we can make money on, I don't have to tell them what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. They're autonomous. I, I'm ready. To, come on. Join. I mean, I, you, you're my partner. Now, listen, my point is that, and I'm not 
different than a lot of other business owners. The biggest problem that business owners have over the age of 55 is figuring out how they're going to sell their company and or transition it. Now, obviously, if you go to work for a company and the sun is already in place, then leave. But uh, taking that out of it, if there's not a transition plan in place, man, I would be the best employee that person has ever had because about three years into it, I'd be taking the owner to lunch mm. and be going, just curious, like, what's, what's your plan to transition this company? I would love to have you mentor me. I bet we could work out a win-win deal. I'll pay you whatever you're making and we'll just do a 10-year a, a scale. You make 100% the first two years and 80% the next two, whatever. I'm telling there's a deal there. A deal there. You just got to be great at something and you got to f- solve the problem. I'm telling you, 80% of business owners have a problem over the age of 55. They have no idea what they're going to do with their business. Mm, and they can't it. sell it for what they think. And they would take a 10-year, 20-year buyout by a young, talented, energetic person that they mentored in a flat second. Man, so much value right there. You will get my bill later. (laughs) (laughs) No, this has definitely been, I'll tell you, I've had some really, really great conversations. And that's why I love doing this podcast. This has definitely been top five. For sure. This is I'm a teacher. I'm one of them. This is my flaw. Motivation without education is worthless. I want to I want to I want you to get excited, but I want you to get excited because I'm telling you things you can do. I want to I want to tell you what you need to do to achieve it. Me getting you all excited about it. You can be excited for maybe an hour, maybe a day. I want to give you how to do it. Tactical. We need we need tactics. tactics. I'm a I'm a granular guy. I'm a granular guy. I'm here with you. I got a legal pad here. I've already taken a page of notes and I'm the one on the podcast, but I'm taking a page of notes off what you've talked about. Man, I, I love it. You just give so much value. I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this because my idea, I got that mind that's always bouncing and I'm going upstairs, oh. tell my wife what I just learned. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna need you to slow down for a minute. Like we got we got multiple businesses right now that we're already working on. I'm like, but what about service-based? Have we have we really vetted? What's the long term on Let me tease things? you. Let me tease you real quick. Services, no inventory. No dead labor. When I right. pay somebody to work, they're making money providing a service. There's n- this is why I love service companies. There's no dead money. Easiest okay. business in the world to start. You only got to be able to do two things. You need to attract customers, create a need, hire somebody who can fulfill the need, and there just needs to be a margin between what you receive and what you pay. It's the simplest business in the world to start. That's why I'm great at it. It's my 12-year-old blah, blah, blah mindset but it, it works i i yeah i i always do you, you focus, drop me do in you any only city focus in america locally? do you only, do you only focus because somebody right now if they're saying okay i want to start a service-based company especially because a lot of real estate professionals follow me so that was one of my first things it was like especially in the world of construction right now you get to really solve a problem there's so many people that want to obviously have business that are fed to them and and in the the construction world as far as homeowners they're having problems all day long things like that so it's but but are you only focused on locally are you like hey the I, best I way to do, do it no i like local man i, I i'm a simple guy. I like to live in a great area. We have a major, incredible high margins. We're an A-plus rated company. We've won every award you could win in our area. So it's hard to manage things that are multiple locations. Just for me, I, I, try, to fo- I try to live in an area that I'm willing to work. You know, I live in Charlottesville. It's an incredible city. So I'm, I'm pre- I have an airport a mile and a half from my house. I'm living in 9,000 square feet with a guest house. I'm doing okay. 
right? I got, I got, I, I'm not, I got, I'm not missing any meals. So I, I do local things, but real quickly regarding realtors, if funny, you mentioned that wealth starts at hour number 41. It's hard to be wealthy with one gig, right? You gotta have, I never had one gig. Never. I, I don't have one gig right now. If I was a realtor, I, I would own, I would have a servant. Like I'd be taking care of all the repairs for all the houses that needed to get prepped and ready for sale. I'd have a staging company. I, I'd have something that, that naturally synergized with my real estate. But what about for people? And, and man, this is, you're just giving so much value. So I'm interested to just hear, but let me ask you this. What about for people who say, I don't want to manage people. Right, because that's that's the problem with service based companies. Manage your manage yourself, and you're going to be poor. It is. It's like whenever I hear this, you don't have to do this, 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 and that. Whenever you hear that in a course, don't buy it, because I'm gonna hurt your feelings. You have to work to make money. You have to do things you don't want to do in the beginning. Hmm. I love people. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. I said, fine, stay poor. Don't tell me what you don't want to do, and then tell me what you want. Because if you want something, I want you to tell me that you'll do anything. Hmm. Don't don't start the conversation off with I don't want to do this, this, and that. They they don't they don't work together. Tony Robbins, when he got started, picking lived in like what, a six hundred foot apartment, had like a desk in there and like a bunk bed or something, and and would go out every day doing trying to get people to quit smoking. He'd do his little events and he'd go out on the street and say I can get anybody to quit smoking. I right. mean, worked his tail off. Worked under Jim Rohn. All these successful people you know about. You, you, you're missing the first 10 years of the story. It took Tony Robbins 20 years to become an overnight celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. And all of them. Right. I, I, so be very careful when you say, I don't want to do this and I don't want, maybe you need to get out of your comfort zone. Mm, I love maybe it. Maybe you're There's the problem. So many nuggets. The last question that I have for you, is there somebody out there that, again, they love your story, they love your energy, and they want to blaze a path similar to you, but they have that little voice in their head, and that little voice says that they're not strong enough, they're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's that one thing that you would leave them with to get them to just take action? You are listening to the most average human being God has ever put on this planet with a whopping 800 SAT scores. And that's back in the 80s. So that could be 400 today. I don't know the new scale. You are only limited because you're you're believing that. And, and I'm not a massive mindset person, but you have to understand that. Dave, Dave Thomas with Wendy's didn't have a high school diploma. We can go all the way down. There is your situation is not unique. Let me just say that there is somebody else who has achieved greatness in your exact or very similar. Oprah Winfrey's story was unbelievable. Her story, this list of stories of people that have achieved, you have to just believe that. Yeah, okay, I got some challenges, but I, I can do it. Your story is not unique. You, the problem is you're allowing your story to be what defines you. Mm. And, and you, you, that you have to change that. I can't do that for you because at the end of the day, you got to wake up and go, okay, I got some, I got, I got a couple obstacles ahead of me. I love it. Move on it. Set one goal, work towards one goal for the next 30 days. Just, I always say, get your, you got to get your goal muscle going, set a goal for 30 days. I don't care what it is. I, maybe it's, I'm not going to smoke a, a whole pack a day. I'm going to smoke a half a pack. Or I want to exercise. Okay, I'm going to walk every day for the next 30 days. Just set a goal for the next 30 days. Get your dis, your self-discipline muscle going because that's the number one muscle in success. Mm, 
is your self-discipline muscle. So maybe you read for five minutes every day for the next 30 days. Maybe you get up a half hour earlier and just write down your goals or what you want to achieve, or you read a book for 15 minutes. There's a thousand things you can do. But I'd say if I was starting from nothing, I would just do two things. I would stop talking about what I lack and I'd start with 30 day incremental goals, just 30 days. I don't want a one year goal. I want a 30 day goal. And then when I get that 30 days, I'm going to add another one. Maybe I add two the next month. Maybe I go from walking five minutes to walking seven minutes. I go from reading for five minutes to reading for 10 minutes. I think self, if you don't have self-discipline, you have a hard time being successful. That was a bonus. That little last three minutes, that was free. You're not getting invoice for that. (laughs) No, there is so much value. I'm sure lives are being changed by every word that you say. And so I want to be the first one if no one told you yet today to say thank you. And I truly appreciate you. For anyone that wants to stay connected with you and stay getting these nuggets every single day, where can they find you at? That's why my podcast is called the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast because I, I, I'm good on 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm good on you quick giving us, matter. man, you're giving us yeah, so yeah. much more than that. Yeah. So I'm, my 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast, if you like how I communicate. And then if you want, I like to give away stuff for free. I give away my books really for free. My goal is to give away a million books. Is that if you go to my personal site, seancastrina.com, my first book is called The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. It will help you so much. Every chapter is only like two pages. It's I literally wrote it so that if you were sitting on the toilet every morning, like after like three months, you'd have the whole book. I, no, I seriously wrote it in that mindset. Okay, listen, I don't like to read, but I'm I'm sitting here anyway. I'll read for two pages and uh, it'll help you a lot. So that's seancastrina.com. You get that free book. And and my podcast, it will, it will absolutely teach you how to do what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure that we put all of those links in the show notes. But again, I want to say thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I look forward to staying connected with you. And remember, Dream Nation and the dream we trust. But just as he said, you must create habits and go after those small incremental goals. Because otherwise, if not, that dream that you have will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.